And so I'm excited to continue. Remember, we're in our series, Exiles, as we're walking through the book of 1 Peter. And uh, we've been asking this question over and over again because the book of 1 Peter is a, a letter that is written to believers who are living in difficult circumstances. And so we've been asking this question, what does it look like to live for Christ in a world that is often hostile toward faith? What does that actually look like? How in the world do you serve Jesus in a, in a country where they're saying, give us every means for you to have access to anything if you choose to follow me? Literally everything is on the line. How do you do that? Why would you do that? What mindset do you have if you're going to live faith that way? You're like, Greg, we don't live in a country like that. Yeah, we don't today. But how do we endure when it isn't easy? That's what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, Peter's got a mindset for us that I think is so desperately needed. If you got your Bibles, I would encourage you to have your Bibles with you. Open up your app, NIV. We're on 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. As you turn there, would you stand with me across the room as we're going to read our primary text this morning together. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1, says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body... Arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you want to speak to us today. So God, we open our hearts, we focus our minds, we put aside everything that distracts, and we say, God, we want to hear from you today. Would you speak to us? Would you guide us? Would you lead us? Would you give us a new thought a new mindset as we walk out the door this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. I need your help for a second. Raise your hand if you have ever gone camping. And I'm talking like in a tent, in a tent. No RVs count, okay? Real tents, okay? Put your hands down. Uh, raise your hand if you actually enjoy camping in a tent. Raise your hand. Fewer hands than the first time, okay? Uh, raise your hand if a Holiday Inn is your idea of camping. Okay, the few of you there, that's, I get that, okay? Uh, this might surprise you, but Amber and I are not big outdoorsmen. <laughs> no, it's a shocker. We're not real, like, let's go live in the woods kind of people. But once a year, you know, when our kids were little, once a year we decided, you know what, we're going to go camping. We're going to take our kids camping. This is a good thing for us. You know, our campgrounds usually have water parks associated with them. Whatever, it's fine. We're big campers, you know, so we would go doing that. And there's certain things about camping that are fun, like you kind of get away, you have some lazy days, you get to make the bonfires and the s'mores and have all the memories and all those kind of fun things. But how I many of you know there's lots of stuff about sleeping in a tent that isn't fun? Can you relate to that, you know? Like, first of all, there's the fact that you're sleeping in a tent. Like, that's not super fun. 
Okay, but then there's all the ideas of like, you got to set up the tent and then you tear it down. You ever tore it down when it's already, when it's still wet? So then you go home and you got to set the tent back up again to try and dry the thing out again, right? And then sometimes you're sleeping in the tent and it's 90 degrees in the summer and you're sweating horribly. And then there's times when it's like freezing cold late at night and everybody's just trying to stay. And then if you're like us, like we're not sleeping on the ground, we bring the air mattress. But how many know the air mattress situation when you blow up your air mattress and it starts full and then somewhere in the middle of the night, your butt's on the ground again because that thing's... (laughs) deflated somewhere along the lines, right? Like, this is what happens, you know? And inevitably, it always rains when you go camping. You know what I'm talking about? There's always that one red patch that's gonna go right over your tent. And then in the middle of the night, you know what happens? In the middle of the night, there is a baby five tenths away from you that starts crying at 2 a.m. and wakes everybody up, right? There's, there's all these things. I love, ta- I love it. Okay, there's things that are frustrating. They're frustrating. They're annoying about camping, But you're willing to deal with that frustration. Why? Because you know it's temporary. I don't think any of us would sign up to live in a tent all year long, okay? But we can do it for a few nights because it's temporary. This this series that we're in, we've entitled it Exiles. In many of the translations, it talks about exiles throughout the book. But other translations will use this phrase, temporary residence, calling us temporary residents residents here on earth. And before we dig into the text here this morning, I want to take us to a principle that we have to understand because if we don't understand this, everything else isn't going to make sense. Okay. And the principle is this. If you follow Christ, if you've chosen to follow Christ, this is the principle. You belong to a different kingdom and you serve a different king. You belong to a different kingdom and you serve a different king. You are a temporary resident of this earthly kingdom a temporary resident. At the moment of salvation, the moment you choose to give your life to Christ, there is something that takes place. There is a transference from one kingdom to another. Paul writes it this way in Colossians when he says this. He says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He goes on in the two chapters later, he says, so set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. In the book of Philippians, he even says this about us. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. We live in this earth, absolutely, but this is not our home. We are temporary citizens. We are temporary residents. This broken world is not our home. We belong to a different kingdom, and we serve a different king, the king of all creation, the king who loves us, the king who saved us, redeemed us, and offers life to us. And so, with this principle in mind, this idea in mind, We go to the text that we're going to look at this morning. And and there's a warning here. This is a warning for us. This is not easy stuff. The mindset he's going to ask us to have is not the one you naturally wake up with. But we have to have these mindsets. Otherwise, we're not going to understand what it is to try and be faithful in this world. All right? And so there's three things we're going to write down. If you're taking notes this morning, I encourage you to write these down. The first one, temporary residence. Number one, temporary residence must be prepared to suffer. I know what you're probably thinking. That sounds awful. Like, why would I want to do that? Why would I choose to follow Christ? And seriously, why would Peter start there? But I want you to remember, this is a letter. This is a letter. This isn't the beginning of the letter. Remember? And a letter gets read in one sitting. 
And so what did Peter do for the first chapter and a half of this book? He said, you have an amazing living hope in Christ. You have an inheritance in store for you. You have an identity, right? You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's who you are. This amazing thing that's in store for you. But you got to be prepared that it might mean suffering here on earth. Look what he says in verse number one. He says, therefore, remember we asked the question, what's the therefore? Therefore, in just a few verses before, in verse number 17, he says this, for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. What's he saying there? Well, it's better, if you're going to suffer, you should do it because you're doing good things, not because you're doing evil things. That's a better reason to suffer. But he goes on in verse 18, he says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Okay, Christ suffered. Go down to verse number one of chapter four. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Arm yourself. I love the language there because it, it doesn't sound like, it sounds like, oh, just, just hold on to this nice little attitude. No, arm yourself. It's like you're doing battle. My son Asher's playing football right now, right? If you ever watch football guys, like when they get ready to like go into a game, they're not just like, oh, let's go play football. They're like, they're like slamming each other, like bumping heads, you know, they're doing all this kind of, what? They're getting ready, like they know they're going into battle. This is gonna be work. This is gonna take effort. This isn't gonna happen on accident. And so Peter is saying, listen, believers, you have an amazing identity, but guess what? You've got to arm yourself with a different way of thinking. You have to arm yourself with an attitude. You have to get intentional because when you wake up in the morning, this ain't the attitude that's going to be normal. It's not the thing that's going to be natural for you, but you must arm yourself with a different kind of attitude. Why? Because if you don't, if you don't arm yourself with this attitude, this preparation for the potential of suffering, you will constantly be frustrated, disappointed, and discouraged in your faith. It's like being a Cubs fan. If you didn't know, I, I'm, a, I'm from Chicago. That's where I grew up. Okay, and until 2016, my life as a Cubs fan was pretty awful. <laughs> Okay, Cubs are just bad. Growing up, the Cubs were horrible. It was always depressing. Like, my, my dad taught me from a young age, son, don't get your hopes too high. They will break your heart every time, <laughs> right? And so what did I do? Like, I was prepared for them to blow it all the time. Like, no matter what, if the game was going on, if they actually made the playoffs, in my mind, I had prepared myself with this mindset, they're gonna blow it. They're gonna blow it. Why? Because I didn't need to get my heart broken again, right? I had prepared myself for this. It's just like you Vikings fans. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I know because I am married to a Vikings fan and she loves the Vikings. And every time a big game's going on, I, she says the same thing. The big game's happening. She's like, oh, they'll find a way to blow this game. They're gonna find a way to blow this game. They will. What is she doing? She's preparing. She is setting her mind in a right position because she doesn't need to have her heart ripped out in that moment. She's preparing herself with the same mindset. Okay? Now that's a really crass you know, comparison here. But the, the principle is the same. If we are not set with the proper mindset, if we are not thinking properly, then when those moments of challenge come, when the suffering comes, we're gonna wanna bail. That's what it means, okay? Remember, you belong to a different kingdom and you serve a different king. And this means that you are often in conflict with everyone around you. 
Everyone around you thinks differently. They are following a different way. And the result is at times it will result in suffering in our life. Now, we currently may not be offering up our whole lives for like those in other countries, but you definitely will have times where your reputation, your relationships, the way you live your life will be challenged. And if you are not prepared that at times it will be difficult, you're going to be done. This is a message some preachers will try to hide. There's a lot of churches you'll never hear a message like this. Be prepared to suffer. That sounds like a good one. A lot of you came to faith in like the opposite of this. You know, people came up and said, you know, just come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus. He's going to make everything better. He's going to save you. He'll redeem you and everything will be great. You're going to have an amazing life. You're going to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. Everything's going to be marvelous in your life. There's a problem with that kind of mindset and that theology is it's wrong. And it's not biblical. (laughs) Nowhere in scripture does it say, come to Jesus and you ain't gonna have no problems anymore. Okay, that's just not scriptural. Now hear this. Are there blessings in following Jesus? Absolutely. There is an inheritance. We have a living hope. There's so much in store for us. These eternal rewards that are for us. The presence of the almighty God with us. To know and have personal communion with the God of all creation. Absolutely. But you have to understand, it ain't always going to be easy. And sometimes it will be difficult. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 15. Jesus made this. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. He just gave you a heads up on the front end. Like, heads up. It may not go well all the time. There's another verse that I take us to all the time, and I hope someday you remember it. It's our least famous, our favorite promise of God. What does it say? Pull up the next passage. There we go. It says, if they persecuted me. Oh, no, sorry. Next one. There we go. John 16, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, I love the back end of that. We'll quote that, God has overcome, he's overcome, okay, but yeah, but there was a promise before that, right? In this world, you will have trouble. There was a promise, like heads up, it's coming, all right? Like this is what's going. So, so as temporary residents, we have to be prepared to suffer because if you aren't, when things go wrong, when there are challenges, you are gonna wanna bail in some way. Like if things don't go the way that you expected, if following Jesus didn't reap all the positive things that you thought it would be, then guess what? There's gonna be those times where you're just like, oh, oh, God, you don't love me, do you? God, have you forgotten about me? Do you not care about me? Have I done something wrong, right? Or simply there'll be times where you just think, well, maybe this Jesus thing just doesn't work. This Jesus thing doesn't work. Why am I even doing this thing? It doesn't, it doesn't work. I'm just gonna tell you that Jesus isn't a genie that's supposed to work for you. Okay, he's, he's Lord that we come to submit to. He is a good, loving, heavenly father that we get to have relationship with who's inviting us into, but at the end of the day, he is Lord and we are not, Right? See, this is a warning that he's giving us. And I I think there's a passage that Jesus shared in Matthew chapter uh, five. If you wanna pull that one up. He said this, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. He's saying, listen, you gotta have the right mindset here. Right? You're part of a different kingdom, right? You serve a different king. All right, we go on here. The second point I want you to write down is this. Temporary residents choose God's will 
over their flesh. Temporary residents choose God's will over their flesh. Look what it says in verse two. It says, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So he contrasts these two ideas, right? The will of God versus our fleshly evil human desires. And he's saying when there's a conflict, temporary residents, when there's a conflict, those who are truly following Jesus, they choose God's will, even though their flesh might say something else. Now, this sounds like a super, super simple thing to do. Clearly, yeah, just choose God's will. Don't choose my flesh. How many know it ain't easy? Right? Because our flesh is really, really strong. Jesus said that the flesh is weak. Like it's super weak. You have a hard time standing up. How many of you ever tried staying awake when you're super, super tired before? Okay, have you ever seen these videos? I saw this video the other day. It's this, this kid, he's eating and trying to stay awake, this little baby, right? And the baby's trying to say, I'm just trying to eat. He's trying to eat. Oh, he just keeps falling over. Oh, no, no, there it is. Oh, oh, there he goes. Nope, I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm here. And then back. <laughs> and the baby falls asleep like this. Look at out cold. <laughs> Just out cold. Like you say, oh, baby, babies, that's so cute. When babies do that, have you ever been driving late at night and like literally dying, right? You're like head out the window, head in the air conditioning vents, you know, like just like shaking yourself, whatever you got to do to try and stay awake. Why? Because the flesh is weak and it's constantly trying to pull us in a direction. But temporary residents, remember, they, they recognize something. They understand something. It's not just simply that we're going to try and overcome our flesh and just work really hard and beat it. They understand that the spirit of the living God resides inside of us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you, lives inside of me. So it isn't just simply, I'm going to muster up enough strength to overcome my flesh. No, I'm going to depend on the power of the spirit that is at work inside of me, that I can overcome whatever fleshly sinful desires are still at work in me. Like, I can overcome those things in Christ, in the power of the Spirit. Like, we don't have to bow to the cravings of the flesh. I want to, you want to, but we don't have to, right? We have the option to pursue something different, even if it's difficult, even if it means sometimes we got to get serious about some stuff. And my bet is there are some of us in this room that we better wake up and get serious about some stuff. Because there is stuff we are allowing in our life. There are fleshly desires, sinful desires that are awake and alive, and we are letting them ruin us right now. And he's saying, listen, that's not what temporary residents do. You contrast that with the world's philosophy. What's the world say? If it feels good, do it. Whatever you feel is right. Whatever you feel is right. And, and Peter would say, no, that's not how this works. We serve a different kingdom. We serve a different king. We are not ruled by our flesh we die to ourselves, and we submit all that we have to the authority of Christ. Look what it says in verse number three. It says this, for you, remember he's writing to a group of people who used to be pagans. They used to not follow Jesus, but now they are. He said, so, but you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. It's like, you used to live like that, okay? And some of you know what that is. Like recently, you, you've come to faith and you used to live a certain way. And then he goes to outline that. He's saying living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. You read through that list and some of you would say, well, I'm still struggling with some stuff on that list. But there's others of you that would say, I don't struggle with any of that stuff, Greg. See, sinful desires, that's not my issue, right? I don't have these fleshly urges like these kind of things. But I'll say this, we have amazing spiritual strength in the area of other people's weakness, Right? 
We only talk about the stuff that we're good at. Oh, see, I, see, I don't get drunk. I don't have any problem with alcohol. That's not my thing. Okay, great. Well, do you gossip? Are you unloving? Do you use your words to hurt people rather than to love people? I know I can sometimes. What are those areas in our life? What are the areas in your life? Where maybe, maybe you would say, mm, I don't know that I'm living like a temporary resident because I've, I've kind of been caring more about what are my fleshly desires rather than God's will. See, temporary residents don't live like the world. Why? Because this isn't our home, right? So we go on. Point number three, though, temporary residents, lastly, live with the end in mind. Live with the end in mind. Look what it says in verse four. It says, they are surprised. Who are they? Those non-believers, right? The pagans around here that, that don't follow Jesus. They're surprised that you do not join them in the reckless, wild living and they heap abuse on you. Some of you know what that's like. Like maybe you came to faith recently. You're trying to be faithful to Christ. And now all the friends that you used to hang out with are now just mocking you. Like, why are you acting this way? Why aren't you hanging out with us? Why don't you party with us? Why don't you do this stuff anymore? There's others of you just simply, you try to be faithful to Christ and you live a certain way. And you're trying to, in everything that you do, submit to Christ. And there's people around you and other people that are constantly giving you a hard time about that. He's saying that's normal. That's to be expected in some way. Like if we're living in contrast to what all the world and all culture is doing, it's gonna be, there are gonna be times where there is abuse. There's gonna be times when people are, are speaking against you. They're tearing you apart. We live in a, a culture of conformity, don't we? Like you are challenged to conform to whatever culture is saying at the time. And it goes beyond just simply, oh, you just have to believe it. No, you have to champion whatever culture says at any point. And it goes even worse. They're saying, and if you don't champion it by posting it on your social media account, you are not actually supportive enough. And we live in a culture that's saying constantly, this is what you gotta do. This is how you gotta live. This is the thing that's gotta get posted, right? There's a month a year that if you're not posting something, you are not following the culture well enough. And he's saying, listen, that's not the call. Like there are gonna be times where your life living is gonna be challenging. But he goes on and he says this, verse number five, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. What he's saying is as followers of Christ, we live with the end in mind. We understand, and some of you need to recognize this because maybe you haven't been in a church that taught this in the past, but there is a final judgment. There is a final judgment. Every single one of us we'll have to stand and give an account. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, good news. Your righteousness is not based on your own. It is on Christ, and there's the gift of salvation available to you. But even followers of Christ are accountable, okay? Even, what, it, what did it say? I'll pull this up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says this, for we all must appear, all, not just the non-believers, not just those sinners out there, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Jesus said it this way in Matthew. I think it, pull that one up. It says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Like there's just a reality. I think a lot of us, we like to ignore this. We just kind of want to live our lives like, oh, no big deal. I love Jesus. Great. I'm going to kind of go about it. No, we still are accountable. And I'll tell you, guess, guess who's more accountable than anybody else in this room? 
me. It says in James, says, not many of you should, should desire to be teachers. Because a lot of people, I want to get on a stage and I want to preach. Guess what? As a preacher, I am more accountable. Because guess what? I can't stand before the throne of grace one day and say, I just didn't know. I had no idea I should love my neighbor. I know this stuff. I got to teach this stuff. I'm accountable to this stuff, right? Every single one of us is accountable. And so temporary residents live their lives in light of that, in the understanding that there is a final judgment living in light of this. And so I want to get to our big so what this morning, okay? And I want to challenge us with this idea. We always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? If you forget everything else that I've shared, there's one thought I want you to take home with you this morning. It's this. Your home defines your values. Your home defines your values. What do I mean? What you see as your home defines your values. If your home is here on earth, this is your, like these 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years that you have here on earth. If this is your home, this is where your affections are, this is where your citizenship is, then guess what are you going to do? YOLO. You only live once, right? Let's, let's, let's live it the best. We're going to live this thing up. Let's take advantage of every possible second just to get as much joy out of this thing as possible. Right? Because this is the only life I got. I got this few years. I'm going to invest in this. About how many things, how much happiness can I achieve? How many things can I buy? How much stuff can I have? I'm just going to make it about me, obviously. Like that makes sense if this is your home. If, if there's suffering associated with following Jesus, I'm out. Like why would I do that here? If this is the only thing I'm living for, why in the world would I accept suffering? I'm done, right? I'm turning, I'm keeping my card and I'm leaving the meeting. Yep, I'm out of here. Okay, that's what I would do. Why would I do any of those things? It makes no sense whatsoever. Why wouldn't I just do what feels good to me? Why wouldn't I just, just respond to whatever my fleshly desires are? I would do that because it's just, I'm just living here. Let's milk every bit of fun out of this thing that I possibly can. But when we see ourselves as temporary residents, we understand that this is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven, then we will value different things. First and foremost, we will value the king of all creation who has given himself for our sake. We will value the things that are eternal, the things that last. We will use our time, our talents, and our treasure to invest in the things that endure, not the things that will get eaten by moths, as Jesus said. When it's hard, students, students, if you see yourself as a temporary resident, and guess what? When, when you get challenged at school and it's hard following Jesus and maybe they mock you, you're gonna say, yeah, but I don't live for this kingdom. I serve Jesus. He's my Lord. And guess what? He didn't say it was gonna be easy always. He actually said it was gonna be hard sometimes but I'm living for eternity and not for now. And adults, you have the exact same situations. It's so easy for us to invest in the here and the now, to live for what matters now as opposed to what matters for eternity. There's a story I read years ago, and I love this story. Ronald Reagan had a uh, Secretary of State, George Schultz, and uh, he would do this every time he had uh, uh, ambassadors that he would send out. His responsibility was to kind of pick up ambassadors, send them out. 
And so before he would send an ambassador to a new nation, he would bring him into his office and he had a globe like this and he'd spin the globe. He's like, all right, point your country out to me because he didn't want to embarrass the, the America here by sending an ambassador that couldn't even find the country they were going to on a map, you know? So he's like, you got to prove to me, you know, where your new country is. So he brought a, one of his friends in, Mike Mansfeld, who he had, he had given, he was supposed to be the ambassador of Japan. And so he did the same, same thing he always does. So he spit, spun it and said, point your country out to me. He waited for it to stop. He found America. He said, that's my country. He's like, hey, I get it. No, 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 where's your country? He's like, it doesn't matter what country you send me to. It doesn't matter. This is still my country. This is who I represent. This is who I'm living for. This is the values that I'm here to, to live up to, right? And it's the mindset every single one of us needs to have. Guess what? Some of you, you live in Burnsville. You live in Savage. You live in Prior Lake. You live in Lakeville. Yeah, that's great. That's where you reside right now, but that's not your home. It's not my home. If you're a follower of Christ, you live for a different kingdom. You serve a different king. And the more we can have that mindset, the more it allows us to say, Christ, even if it means at times I might have to suffer, means I'm faithful to you when I don't even feel like it because it's hard. If it means sometimes I've got to deny my flesh and I'm choosing your will over what I'm desiring in the moment, God, ultimately I'm choosing to live in light of a, a day, this someday. The one day when I stand before your throne and the words that I want to hear are not like, hey, you did a nice job. No, the words I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's my heart for me. It's what I want for my family. That's what I want for us as a church. Does that mean we're perfect? No. God, help us to have a greater vision, to see our lives in light of your eternal plan. Would you respond with me? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes across the room? Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you cared for us to invite us into your kingdom, that we don't have to live on our own. We don't got to do our own thing, God. We get to be a part of your kingdom, both now and for all of eternity. We thank you for that, Lord. Father, we acknowledge, we acknowledge, Lord, that so easy for us to have the wrong mindset, so easy for us just to live for the here and the now, Lord. God, I don't even have to ask for hands. I, I guarantee every hand could be raised when, when I ask, you know, how many of us still struggle with this? We all do, Lord. And so God, right now, I pray that you would help us to see differently. Help us to be reminded tomorrow when we wake up, to be reminded of what kingdom we're living for. And to be reminded of where our values come from. It's not from this world. God, it, it comes from you. God, the next time we look at our bank account, God, would we look at it and say, okay, how, how are we investing this for things that matter? We look at our schedule. Can we look at our schedule and say, how are we investing this thing in things that matter? When it's Sunday morning and it's time to go to church or go do something else, God, would we say, hey, what's the thing that's gonna help propel us toward the eternal things and not the temporary things? I just pray in the practical everyday moments of our lives, Lord, that we would invest in the stuff that matters. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bow and every eye closed, I just want to connect with some of you. There may be some of you here this morning that number one, you didn't realize there was a final judgment and that one day you're going to stand accountable before God. And there may be others of you that just say, you know what? I've just been so lazy in my faith. I've just been going through the motions. I have not, I've not been living for God's kingdom. I've not been thinking of this as my, my temporary residence. Instead, I've been just settling in. This is the place. This is all I'm thinking about. 
that's you this morning and you're just feeling like, you know what, I need to have a moment of recommitment in my heart before God, or I need to submit my heart to God, or maybe for the very first time. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I wanna give you a chance to do that. If that's you and you're saying, I need to recommit my heart, I need to really invest in the stuff that matters. If that's you, would you just lift a hand across the room and just say, that's me, I wanna give my life to Christ and I just wanna come back to him in a fresh new way across the room. Hands all over the place, yeah. I'm just gonna give you a moment. I don't, I don't wanna move past this. You can put your hands down if you've already raised, but there's some of you, you still need to respond. You're like, yeah, that's me. I've been lazy in my faith. It's been secondary in my life. I just wanna bring my heart back to God again. Just lift a hand, respond to him. Yeah. So I'm too many for me to be able to count this morning. Can you just have a moment right now with Jesus? I don't even have to pray some special prayer. I want you to have a moment with Jesus right now. Would you just say, God, I, I just surrender to you again. Just surrender to you. I'm gonna give you 30 seconds just to have a moment in your own heart of confession and just surrender and repentance before the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you that you are constantly, constantly pursuing us, Lord. We get distracted like a baby trying to fall asleep. God, we, we just, we fall into so many other things. God, I pray that you would help us to get our eyes toward you. I'm gonna invite you all to stand across the room. I just wanna have a moment. There's an old song. Some of you are gonna know this one. Some of you are like, that's so old, it's new to me. That's okay. I wanna sing this song for a moment says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Sing it again. Turn your eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Father, I just pray for every single one of us, for those who have just passionately been pursuing your best in every situation this past week, and for those of us who fall somewhere short of that. God, I pray this next week we would live as temporary residents. God, that we would live as residents of your kingdom, that your values, that your purposes would take precedence over ours. God, that in the areas of our life where we still wanna run after our own thing, God, we would choose submission in those areas, every single one of us. God, that faith in Christ is not playing the game on Sunday. It is submission to Christ on Monday. And so God, I pray that you would help us to live faithfully for you. We love you, Jesus. 
We thank you for the life that you are offering. We thank you for the living hope that we can live out this week. God, we thank you that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. And so may we walk out of this place with confidence, with assurance, and in faith. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. Everybody said.